1: if you'd like to make your NFL games a little more interesting, you've come to the right place. It's the Even Money Podcast with Ross Tucker and Steve Fezik. Yeah, Vegas baby, Vegas. It is the Even Money Podcast. We are year-round, even though we make money, moolah for you during the NFL season. We also give you tips year-round on other sports, NBA, Major League Baseball. We've got Horse racing coming up. We are all over the NCAA tournament and the Masters. You know, the major events that people that bet NFL also like to bet on from time to time. We are presented by BetOnline.ag, the online gaming website of choice for the Even Money podcast. Because they've got the best odds and the fastest payouts. Use that code Even Money. Uh, he is the only two-time winner of the Super Bowl of professional football gambling. That's kind of a big deal, and that's why he's the man, and that's why he is my co-host, the one and only Steve Fezzik, who won uh, the Super Contest at the Westgate two years in a row. At Fezzik Sports on Twitter is the only place that you can find him. I'm a former NFL journeyman offensive lineman that, uh enjoys the gambling stuff more and more talking about it learning about it sounds like it's going to be a a very big part of pro football moving forward so i'm glad i've kind of gotten ahead of the game in that regard and we've got a lot to talk about today Fun day to dive into things. Steve, we are now a little over a week away from the NFL draft. And before we even get into the NFL draft props, some of the big news since last week's show includes Des Bryant, you know, getting released by the Dallas Cowboys. Hasn't landed anywhere as of yet. And I wanted to get your thoughts as to the impact that has on the Cowboys in your mind or in Vegas's mind?
0: Vegas thinks from a betting perspective, it's pretty much a non-issue. We're concerned that Dallas doesn't have a number one wide receiver, but frankly, when they had Des Bryant, they didn't have a number one wide receiver. So no impact in um, Vegas, if anything, probably a good move by the Cowboys because now a little more money to pay somebody else.
1: Yeah, well, you know, I guess the way I look at it, though, Steve, is I looked at every depth chart um, around the NFL, and there are other teams that still could use wide receiver help, you know, whether it's, you know, the Ravens or the Bills or whomever, right? Maybe even the Redskins, that they could use a guy like Dez. But, I mean, the Ravens have Michael Crabtree. The Bills have a bigger-bodied guy in Kelvin Benjamin, What's crazy to me, you know, if we're talking about a guy that is a bigger bodied, does a nice job making contested catches, uh, has a nose for the end zone when they get down near the red zone, the team that clearly needs that guy the most right now for next year, it's the Cowboys. So to me, it's like crazy that they weren't able to go ahead and actually, you know, find. Uh, a way to get him to take a pay cut and stay they need him
0: well i'm gonna i'm gonna blame des for that not being willing to take this the suitable pay cut and frankly it it concerns me when he's making statements like wow you know i'm gonna work with my wide receiver coach about optimal route running and and really improving upon that you've been in the league how many years and now you're gonna work on your route running it just goes back to that whole you know work ethic And if you haven't been working on it for the last seven years, I don't see how you're suddenly going to put a whole lot of hours in in your eighth year.
1: Well, what's weird about though, Steve, is that they didn't even ask him to take a pay cut. You know, like it's my understanding that that wasn't even part of the conversation. It wasn't even broached, which that tells me they just wanted him out of there. I mean, they, they just they just wanted him gone. They no longer wanted him on the team because I think he would have been willing to take some type of pay cut to stay and have a chance to still you know, be a part of what they're doing. I, you know, He's from the Dallas area, all of the branding, that stuff. I, I, my guess is they thought if they asked him to take a pay cut that he might, you know, depending on what they asked him to cut it down to, that it could have been really a lot of animosity, and maybe he would have been offended by that, and they didn't want to broach the subject possibly.
0: Yeah, I think it's a good point where it's almost like you go in, you're, you're looking at houses, and you go in and you like this house, and they're asking a million dollars, and you think it's worth six hundred thousand. You're not even going to bother putting an offer up because you're just so far apart, and you know it's going to end badly if you even try. So you just move on.
1: Yeah, but you know, and I know wide receivers typically don't move the line or like the season win totals. But I got to tell you, like, look, and I'm sure they will draft a guy um, and it might be a guy, Steve, like Cortland Sutton from SMU. But, you know, they'll draft a receiver, I would imagine, in the first or second round to try to replace Dez. But looking at their roster, it's hard for me to think that they're going to have a chance to really be that competitive in the NFC against some of these teams like the Vikings, the Eagles, the Rams. I, mean, I just feel like you know, it's a shame they're not able to take advantage of Dak being on a rookie contract, but I don't see them really being able to, to be as competitive this year as they were even a couple years ago during Zeke and Dak's rookie year.
0: Hard to believe that Cole Beasley and those wide receivers is going to strike fear in anybody in the NFL, right?
1: Correct. I mean, Alan Hearns? You know, some of these guys they have in there, like, I mean, they're they're okay, Terrence Williams, but they're also giving up a lot of touchdowns. I mean, that's fourteen touchdowns, I think, that Des had the last couple of years that that should be considered as well. You know, while we're on the topic of guys, um, you know, teams being affected by certain current events, I wanted to get your thoughts on Ruben Foster with the forty ers just from the standpoint of, you know, what it might say about their front office and John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan, that they took a guy that had these red flags. The red flags have come to roost. They you know, who knows whether or not he'll even be able to play this year. He has shown to be a really good dynamic player, but now he won't participate in the offseason stuff, and there's certainly a chance he won't play. Is there ever something where it's like, Steve, not only is it that the player won't play, but that the decision to get him was so sort of egregious or says something about the front office is concerning enough that it changes your outlook on a team?
0: I think it all comes down to is the team winning or is the team losing? If you have a winning team I don't think you run into very many locker room problems when management makes questionable decisions, but if the team's losing, it's easy to say, oh, here they go again. These guys don't know what they're doing. Um, Let me ask you, Ross, have you been in that situation where you've been on a winning team that made some really rather questionable moves and you're like, ah, we're winning, they know what they're doing?
1: Yeah, I I mean, I think I always kind of maybe question it internally, but you think things are going pretty well, you know, But you also know how quickly those things can and often do change, um, which we've seen all the time. Any thoughts on any of the other moves NFL-wise, C.J. Anderson, your thoughts on Denver, or is it really at this point all about let's kind of reassess after we see what these teams do after the draft because there's supposedly some crazy trade rumors going on out there. And with these teams like... C.J. Anderson being gone, for all we know, the Broncos draft Saquon Barkley at five, and it increases their outlook.
0: Yeah, running backs don't concern me. The, um, they don't move the needle. Vegas thinks they're massively overrated, and will, I, I think Barkley will be a, a difference maker. We'll, um, we'll wait and reassess after the draft.
1: Um, speaking of the draft, let's get to it. Um, are the draft props up at a lot of places now, Steve?
0: Yes, in Las Vegas, they've kind of led the way. That um, they're they've, they're out at the South Point, they're out at the Westgate, out at William Hill. So a lot of opportunities to go ahead and, and wager. You know, I wanted to run one by you here, Ross, that I'm going to bet the number of running backs to be taken in the first round. Obviously, Barkley is a lock in the first five here. Um, But Vegas at the Westgate set the running back over under at one and a half. You have to pay extra vig on the over. But I really think that um, the LSU running back is going to get taken in the first round. Also, I thought over one and a half, lay minus 160 was a fine wager. Your thoughts?
1: Uh, Yeah, I, I, I would tend to think that there will be a second one that goes. I think it'll be Darius Geis. Later on in the in in round one, it could even be guys like Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb I kind of like I kind of like the over. What are some of the other um, prop bets that you see that you like
0: yeah well the quarterbacks the number of quarterbacks taken in the first round the over under is five and I lean over but what I really like is the number of quarterbacks taken in the first two rounds it's six and I lean over there because I think it's a lock that we're going to get. Rudolph, um, taken in, or almost a lock taken in the second round, if not the end of the first. And there's a chance kind of a free roll that you might get a Falk or somebody else taken at the end of the second round. So we'll get that seventh quarterback, but one place William Hill has over five and a half where you have to lay a whole lot of vigorous minus 300. So you got to bet 300 to win 100. I can't see any scenario. There won't be six taken in the first two rounds. Your thoughts.
1: Yeah, that would surprise me. I, I, I would tend to think, what, what is the, uh, what's, it, it's five and a half in the first two rounds?
0: Most places have six. One place dealt five and a half. But I think the difference between five and a half and six is a tremendous difference because, like I said, I think there's a very real possibility that we're going to get exactly six quarterbacks. And if it's not exactly six, Ross, I think it will be seven.
1: I think that is a great bet. I would be really surprised if we didn't get six quarterbacks in the first two rounds. That I mean I don't know about 7th I I think teams might hold off on like those next group of guys, but you know, we got kind of the big four um and then you have Mason Rudolph and Lamar Jackson you know, to think that Mason Rudolph and Lamar Jackson don't go by the end of second round, I love that prop bet. What, what, what other ones do you have?
0: Those are the two that absolutely stand out to me as being the very best ones out there. You know, it's, it's interesting. Um, there, is, um, there was a prop bet on the Georgia running backs. Who's going to go first, Chubb or Michelle? And it opened up at Pickham, and now Michelle is a very, very big favorite. But from everything I read, it's almost, I hate to say certain, but almost certain that Michelle is the better um, prospect in the NFL and that he's going to go first.
1: That's what a lot of people tend to think. I, I don't know. I, I still like Nick Chubb. I, I, wouldn't, I, I think Michelle probably goes ahead of him because of his value as a receiver that they're not sure That Nick Chubb has so you're probably right it's just interesting because I talked to both those guys I called their U.S. Army Bowl Steve when they were seniors in high school they both played in the game they were both going to Georgia they both knew all about each other and Nick Chubb was far more impressive to me in that game and that week and he was definitely more impressive as well last year you know uh, or sorry his freshman year um, and then he got hurt. And so I think that's where you know, things have kind of changed for him a little bit. But freshman and sophomore year, before he got hurt, he was clearly the better player than Sonny Michelle. So those are the two you like, but give me, give me just some other ones that are available.
0: Yeah, so let me get your uh, – let's go back to the top quarterbacks. Give me your opinion here, Darnold and Allen, in terms of who is going to get selected first, Right now, uh, Darnold is a minus-220 favorite. So if you bet on him, you got to bet 220 to win 200. Uh, I'm sorry, correction, to win 100. If you bet Allen, you can bet 100 to win 190. I like Darnold. I think that he should be an even larger favorite.
1: I still think it'll be Darnold, Steve, but it is interesting. Some of the people that I really respect – and, you know, a lot of times they know what they're talking about, saying that they're hearing whispers about the Browns taking Josh Allen. That's interesting. And, you know, people say, oh, it's a smokescreen. I always wonder, like, what, what? why do they need to have a smokescreen? They got the number one pick. And, and the theory that I've heard that I can see is that they really are strongly considering Allen, but they don't want it to be some big surprise on draft night and get all kinds of ridicule and critique. they kind of wanted to get it out early to kind of see how people reacted to it, number one, but also so that if it happened, it's not some big surprise, and that they almost kind of let that out there to a couple people as as a trial balloon slash, you know, for PR purposes.
0: Let's stay with the Cleveland Browns. Some have spoken about how Cleveland should consider – taking a quarterback at one and at four, obviously that would cause some in, big internal conflicts between those two quarter quarterbacks. What are your thoughts about taking two quarterbacks if you're Cleveland?
1: I don't have a problem with it. I, I think you can make an argument for a lot of different options for the Browns. And usually I would say I hate it. I personally think that they should take Sam Darnold at one and then get a stud football player at four, likely either Saquon Barkley or Bradley Chubb. That's what I think they should do. But if you said to me, Steve, what about they already have a top 20 quarterback in Tyrod Taylor in the NFL, and I think he is, that Chody can take a team to the playoffs. What about getting really good players at one and four and not taking a quarterback at all and just trying to prop Tyrod Taylor up as much as possible, and then signing him to an extension and running with him. Maybe even get Lamar Jackson later on in the round or at the top of round two or something, and you get Barkley and Chubb. So that's one thought I've heard. The other thought is quarterbacks by far the most important position. It's so hard to be able to get a good one. They haven't had one since Bernie Kosar in Cleveland, It's about a 50-50 proposition when you're taking these guys. Why not go ahead and take one at one, let's say Darnold, and then at four maybe take Baker Mayfield or maybe Josh Allen, the other one, and greatly increase your chances and the likelihood that you finally have a guy for the next 10 to 15 years. And obviously you're not going to get the complete value in return, but you can trade the other guy at some point for something.
0: Yeah, and if you look at the Washington Redskins with RG3 and then taking Cousins as an insurance policy, that certainly worked well for them at the quarterback position. I I, I think it might work better if you have a clear-cut, number one, and then, like you said, if you could get a Lamar Jackson or someone, I think that that might be a better course of action than having two guys that both are alpha males that the second guy drafted will immediately be uh, despondent about being picked fourth and being the backup quarterback um, at Cleveland, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, one way to look at it is, I, I bet the uh, I bet the Browns are, or the Redskins are pretty happy they took Kirk Cousins in the fourth round the year they took you know RG three number two overall.
0: Let's move on over. We talked about quarterbacks. We talked about running backs. Let's talk about wide receivers. I haven't really spent a lot of time with this prop, but the over under on wide receivers in the first round is two and a half. Um, pretty much equal odds on over and under. Would you go over or under us?
1: Two and a half in the first round. Yes. I'd go under. Um, I'm not sure three gets there. I, I, I would lean under with that one. Um, I think wide receiver has been pushed up in recent years. This isn't considered a great group of them. I don't think there's a lot of teams that have a big need. I think some of them are going to slide maybe to early in the second round. So I'd probably go under on that one.
0: Very good. And just to put a bow on this whole draft, I know it's tremendously entertaining to watch the whole draft, but Vegas in terms of the odd setting and how well we expect teams to do, we feel it's largely a non-issue other than quarterbacks selected. And frankly, any team that takes a rookie quarterback that has a chance to be starting for them, Vegas dislikes that team in their first year, although it can obviously be a tremendous asset down the road. Um, there's been some success with some rookie quarterbacks, but for the most part, Vegas hates rookie quarterbacks.
1: Yeah, and it's interesting because, like, you go back to, like, the year where RG3 and Luck and Russell Wilson all had tremendous success. You think about Dak Prescott, you know, I mean, there have been a bunch of rookie quarterbacks that have had pretty good success, at least their teams, in terms of the win-loss total. It's interesting. What about, um, what about the NBA? Now that we're a few games in the playoffs, what are you thinking?
0: Well, the NBA is essentially a big five. There's five contenders right now um, in the West, obviously Houston and Golden State. We'll talk about the West first. Ross, Vegas cannot make up its mind in terms of who should be favored to win the West. Golden State is a small favorite against Houston, but it really comes down to when Curry comes back, is he going to be close to 100%? If, If he is, Golden State's the favorite to come out of the West. If not... Houston has been the best team all year, uh, well, all all 2018 in the West. Who would you favor in the West?
1: You know, I don't follow it closely enough. I think my theory is I'll believe somebody beats the Warriors when I see it. But that's also kind of how I felt about LeBron and, you know, anybody beating him four times. But I think that's going to happen. Might even happen in this first series. But, I think it's going to happen. I don't think the Cavs are getting to the finals now.
0: Let's talk about the East. Essentially a three-team race, if you will. Toronto has been the best team all year long, but they've had some very notable flame-outs throughout the playoffs in prior years, although this year, because their bench is so strong um, compared to prior years, Toronto, many of the – all the stat guys, I should say, felt Toronto should be favored to come out of the East – The history guys favored Cleveland because they always, with LeBron James, make it an extremely disappointing first game. And the Philadelphia 76ers, Ross, out of nowhere, they get these cast-offs from Atlanta. Bellinelli, Iliasova, guys that weren't even playing much for Atlanta, suddenly they they are the perfect role players with Simmons um, and be likely to come back soon. the feeling is any one of those three teams could win.
1: Yeah, uh, I I can see that in the East. Uh, Sixers had a tough loss on Monday night, uh, but man, um, when they get Embiid back, they could be scary. What what notes do you have? So what what are you telling people to bet right now then for the NBA?
0: Well, I'm betting just individual games because I think the overall odds are pretty darn accurate. Although I'll say with Toronto, their bench is so important. They've got a really important under the radar guy. Their backup point guard, Van Vliet, is likely out for game two, um, and he's super, super important, especially because Lowry, has had their, their starting point guard, has had problems in the playoffs in the past, and their bench has been so dominant. So I need a healthy Van Vliet. If he's healthy, I think Toronto gets out of the East. If not, I'm going to call for the shocker um, and that the 76ers, Philadelphia, the City of Champions, go to the NBA Finals.
1: Wow, that would be incredible, man. What about baseball so far this year, Steve? What do you got?
0: You know, baseball, the story is that the attendance is down so much, and despite rules of trying to have limited um, uh, amounts of trips to the mound, I think there's only six trips per game for each team, and they're trying to speed up the pace of play. The weather, of course, throughout the country has been horrible, so that's a big part of it. But I think one of the themes of baseball so far has been how some of the teams that were supposed to be completely dominant, this was supposed to be a year where there were the haves and the have-nots, and we're seeing the Dodgers struggling, we're seeing the Cubs struggling, the Yankees not doing very well. So um, some of the teams that um, were penciled in as almost certain playoff teams like the Cubs, maybe not so much. Uh, we'll have to see it still early.
1: Got it. All right. Well, let's get to uh, an email question. Ever wanted to ask an NFL player a question? Well, here's your chance. It's time to ask Ross. And Steve, the email address, ross at rosstucker.com. We're low on email questions, by the way. If you take advantage of any of the sponsors over at rosstucker.com, or you just make a PayPal contribution or an Amazon purchase, or even – just sign up over at betonline.ag. Just forward that to me, Ross at Ross Tucker.com. And we can ask Steve any question you want. This comes to us from Norm Fizikas. Steve, he said, how about a question for the even money podcast? Could we get Steve or an expert brought on to talk about horse racing? The Derby is in May, but maybe some early lines on horses this month or next. What about odds on the Stanley cup? So that's from Norm Fizikas. So, Let me ask you this, Steve. When do they start to post any sort of odds for, like, the Kentucky Derby or horse racing?
0: So I know that the win has had them up since these horses were two-year-olds, and you could go ahead and wager. Now, if your horse scratches, you lose is the problem. So it's – but you can get some outstanding value early on on horses, and what I like about that, Ross, is that when you bet horse racing, it's all paramutual, So you get the odds – um, adjusted daily. So you're never really sure exactly what your odds are going to be on a horse when you bet them in the Derby. But over at the win on these futures, you lock in your price. So someone out there probably has the 76ers at 100 to 1 to win the NBA championship. And they'd laugh about, wow, if I put that into a paramutual pool, then I'd get them at 12 to 1 or something like that. So there's the advantage of being able to have fixed odds like we do in sports betting versus the paramutual. Not that many guys making a living betting on horses. And the problem, of course, is the fact that the house takeout is so high for every dollar that's put into the pool, the house takeout is about 18%. So, extremely difficult to buck. The way around that in the Derby and the Triple Crown races is to bet horse matchups. You want to bet a horse you like pair it up against a horse that you don't like in a head-to-head matchup and you bet it like you would in a sports book bet where you're not paying all that extra vigorish or juice that's the way that i would attack the kentucky derby i don't know anything about the horses i would say i'll go ahead and give you one here in vegas um uh, i believe he's a horse owner and he's a professional handicapper and um, in sports and in, in races. So i um, at Marco in Vegas. I believe is his Twitter handle. Marco D'Angelo has done a fine job for his clients for years on the horse racing side. I'd go see Marco if you had a horse racing questions or looking for some selections.
1: Right. But you always say, you know, most professional gamblers don't do that for, um, you know, don't bet on horse racing because you don't know what odds you're getting you know we, when you actually we don't, do it so
0: but we we will bet on these horse to horse heads up matches in the derby and then in the preakness and the belmont and probably like the poster child for this is that in almost every triple crown match pretty much if you've got a horse going for the triple crown the public jumps all over him and almost inevitably, every year that there's that situation, the pros bet know that horse won't win the Triple Crown against the field, getting very good odds.
1: Got it. What about uh, what about Stanley Cup? We never talk hockey. Is there is there a good way to bet hockey?
0: Well, the the, the word on Stanley Cup or the the um, gambling story of 2018 is the Las Vegas Golden Knights. I should just say the Vegas Golden Knights. They opened up as an expansion team, Ross, at 200 to 1 to win the Stanley Cup, and they are cruising through round 1 up 3-0 against the LA Kings. So they are 3 after they beat the Kings, they're going to be 3 series away from cashing as a 200 to 1 underdog to start the year, and there's huge liabilities in the sports books in Las Vegas because everyone wanted to bet on the new team that had come into town so the sports books they're a little um uh unsure about what they should root for because they want the local team to win and it creates great interest and handle but there's this huge liability looming should the knights go all the way
1: wow that's really really interesting really interesting all right steve now that we gave everybody what they needed to know in terms of the prop bets and your updates on NBA and more, and the DES effect, we'll call it. Now we got to remind them where to go. And that place is betonline.ag. If you use your promo code EVEN MONEY on your first deposit, you get a 50% welcome bonus, which is up to $2,500 worth of sportsbook free plays. So. That's key. Make sure you use the code Even Money so you get a fifty percent welcome bonus. They got all other, all kinds of other stuff for you guys over there. If you like the live betting stuff, makes games you're watching more interesting. They're all over that BetOnline.ag. They'll give you a free twenty-five dollars on your first live bet. They also have Vegas-style casino, live casino. Don't forget to claim your 100% poker and casino bonus. Again, it all starts, though, by going to betonline.ag and using the promo code EVENMONEY to score your $2,500 bonus. Again, betonline.ag, use promo code EVENMONEY to score your $2,500 bonus. That'll do it for this week's Even Money podcast We'll be back next week talking more draft, getting you ready for that even more. And I can't wait to talk with Steve the week after the draft and find out what some of those moves made in terms of the team win totals and more. You guys know the Fantasy Feast podcast. If you like predicting things and some of these props, listen to the recent Fantasy Feast podcast. We had the number one mock drafter in the country on the show this week, which was pretty awesome. Um, Joe Marino. He was excellent. So check out the Fantasy Feast if you didn't. Of course, the Ross Tucker Football Podcast always keeps you up to date on everything going on in the NFL. And the College Draft Podcast is the podcast for breaking down things for the draft. Other than that, good luck, everybody. Hope you guys win some money. Thanks for listening to the Even Money Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, the Fantasy Feast Podcast, and the College Draft Podcast, all available on iTunes at RossTucker.com or wherever podcasts can be found.